Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome. Great to be in your company this afternoon. It's, uh, it doesn't seem like a Wednesday if we're not together on Wednesday at this time. And unfortunately, the last couple of weeks um, was pulled away from being able to do the show. And so do apologize for not having been with you, but I'm sure that Chayven managed to keep you up to date, entertained and interested, as it always does when we have these lulls, when we have these inabilities to actually be here with you um, live as we are right now. So great to be here. Wonderful to be able to share some ideas, some thoughts with you particularly in this month of Kislev. Now, Kislev is a month where we really think about from a Jewish point of view, and if we're thinking about Judaism 101.9, this is the month of light. And when we think about that concept of light, what actually is the power? What is so important? And why do we dwell so much on this idea of light? Well, I think that the first idea that we need to borrow from just the whole get-up of Judaism is that the concept of light is synonymous with the concept of a soul. And the concept of a soul is synonymous with the concept of godliness. Godliness doesn't go where there is darkness, or rather, godliness pushes away that darkness in much the same way as light would. When you walk into a dark room and you light a candle, the entire room lights up. And so we have this old adage and this old um, notion and idea, and of course, um, punted tremendously at this time of the year as it gets closer to Hanukkah, that just a little bit of light can dispel a tremendous amount of darkness. You don't need much light in order to push away the darkness. And we understand, therefore, that when we're thinking about a mitzvah, when we're thinking about Torah learning, when we're thinking about anything that we do, an act of kindness, some goodness that we do in this world, that act is light. And the light pushes away whatever darkness there may be in the surrounds, whatever darkness there may be of a physical nature, whatever darkness there may be of a more spiritual nature, the concept of light is that it pushes all of that away. So light, therefore, is synonymous with goodness. Light is synonymous with kindness. Light is synonymous with godliness. It is all of those things combined that we think of when we think in terms of this month of Kislev. It's in the month of Kislev that we have really the greatest amount of light that comes into the world. And it's counterintuitive in the in the sense that, or perhaps we've got to understand it in the sense that in the Northern Hemisphere, where we have, for instance, the majority of the Jewish community living as they do today in the Holy Land in Israel, and then some in America and Northern countries, much more dominant a, a Jewish presence in the North than there is in the South. So the majority of Jews are under this banner of an increase in darkness at this time of the year. And really in the month of Kislev, predominantly, it is felt great amount of physical darkness where, uh, for instance, in some countries, as you well know, kind of three o'clock in the afternoon, it's already getting dark and it doesn't get light until nine, ten o'clock in the morning in some places. And so there is this 
a great sense of darkness and therefore this message of having to bring more light into the world becomes much more apparent and much more needed. Well, even here in the Southern Hemisphere, in our part of the world, where uh, ESCOM continually announces new uh, load shedding schedules, well, we can also relate to the concept of darkness. And so we have an opportunity to just pause and to think about not only how can I get my generator started and how can I uh, get my lights on in my house or how can I get the lights on in my suburb, in my city or in my country, but actually from a spiritual point of view, how godliness, goodness, kindness, light can dispel darkness and how important it is to focus on all of those things because darkness leads to a feeling of depression. Darkness leads to us feeling isolated. Darkness leads to us feeling cut off and not very positive and happy. And so as we bring more light into the world, it's uplifting. It raises our psychological levels. It raises the kind of innate pH that we have within ourselves in our own chemical balances. And it makes us feel better. It makes us appear better. And it lights up the world. And light is such that it doesn't only cast its spell on those who kindle the lights. On the contrary, it is far more enjoyed by those who benefit from the light. And the light keeps on going and the light keeps on spreading. And the little amounts of light that we create and that we put into it actually spread far and wide and light up many, many, many lives. And so in so many ways, this month of Kislev is synonymous with this idea of going out there, reaching out, and creating more light. And it is therefore in this month that we really celebrate, commemorate so many great and wonderful events, all of which actually have to do with light, but particularly the one that comes up towards the end of the month, from the 25th of Kislev, which is next week, Sunday evening, we begin that fantastic festival, that fantastic Chag called Chanukah. And isn't that really the ultimate message of this brilliant, beautiful light um, uh, festival, the great festivities of Hanukkah, are all centered around creating light, about lighting up the darkness, about sp spreading light to shed the darkness, to make sure that there is a load shedding of a different kind, that the darkness is shed and the light prevails and triumphs, much in the way it did all those years ago with Yehuda Maccabee, with the Maccabees, with the overthrow of the Assyrian Greeks who were trying to put out the lights, so to speak, of the temple and of Judaism around the world. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So while we're talking about Hanukkah and we're talking about the month of Kislev and the idea of bringing light and lighting up the world and keeping lights on from a spiritual point of view, perhaps we should think about Hanukkah itself. Coming up as it does next week, so starting on Sunday evening a week, in other words, the 28th of November, Hanukkah lasts for eight days and therefore right through to the 6th of December. And Hanukkah is particularly early this year. And many people are asking or thinking about why. Why is it that Hanukkah is so early? Well, um, it's hardly ever happened, I think, or it doesn't often happen, that Hanukkah should occur in school time. 
Yes, um, during school, usually, um, we don't celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah usually is in the holiday time. And that's kind of uh, puts it into a different realm. It's always associated with people being perhaps away from home, perhaps um, uh, sitting somewhere in a beautiful, beautiful place um, on uh, near the coast or um, having gone away overseas or whatever it is. But this year, most people, not because of COVID, thank God, but because of um, the fact that Hanukkah falls out early, so to speak, in the secular calendar. Um, and we have this great phenomenon that Hanukkah can be celebrated this year at home and it can be celebrated at a time when most people are in town. And therefore, of course, we're looking forward to a very, very beautiful and brilliant and bright and fantastic Hanukkah um, with a little bit of a difference. Yes, uh, many people still having to go to school the next day, work the next day, etc., etc., etc. may put pay to late night parties, but it certainly will add to the vibe and the feeling of Hanukkah in the city, Hanukkah inside Joburg or Pretoria or wherever else you're listening to this from. So a lot earlier this year. Why is that? Well, we are actually, and it probably would only happen in a year when we have a Jewish leap year. It is a leap year this year, which means that there is a correction that takes place before Pesach, where we have another month added into the calendar grid in order to make sure that Pesach falls back into the spring in the northern uh, countries, particularly in Israel, which is one of the halachas, one of the laws about Hanukkah, one of the, about Pesach, one of the things that Hashem told us right away when he gave us the rulings about Pesach needing to be celebrated in the first month, in the month of Nisan, as it is to commemorate our getting out of Egypt, it also says that it needs to be in Chodesh Ha'aviv. It's got to be in the springtime in Israel. So we have this unique concept in the Jewish calendar that an extra month is intercalated into the calendar in order to keep that correction, in order to keep it going. The Jewish calendar recedes at a rate of about 11 days per year. It is earlier than the uh, the uh, secular calendar. And then every so often, there is that correction where another month is added in. So in this year, when an extra month is added in, um, we have um, Hanukkah falling a lot earlier than it usually would and if you will look at the calendar, you'll see that next year Hanukkah is going to be a good three weeks later um, on the secular calendar to where it is compared to where it is this year. It's exceptionally unusually early pertaining to our school calendar, etc., and therefore to be enjoyed perhaps even more than we usually would. And perhaps you're going to be saying, well, at least we don't have to pack up and take with us the menorahs and the candles and all of these things that we need to take around um, the country and to places where we are going on holiday. We can go a little bit lighter, um, if that's possible for a Jewish family to travel light. We're going to go a little bit lighter and we're going to not need to take all of those things that are necessary and needed for Hanukkah. But Hanukkah is a very, very beautiful an important time for us to com continue to send great and wonderful messages to all those around us and to our families and to our children particularly because it has so many beautiful messages. The first one we've already expounded upon, the idea of light. The Lubavitcher Rebbe once in a private interview in a Yechidus together with my late father told my father that the idea of a person sitting in darkness 
And he was then speaking about people who were incarcerated, that when they're sitting in darkness, there is nothing that inspires hope more than light. There is nothing that inspires hope more than the menorah. The menorah kindled, lit as we do on Hanukkah each day, inspires hope. It gives us an image of how light can dispel darkness. In the flames, there is something so crisp and wonderful and beautiful and inspiring. And of course, each flame, as we said right at the outset, kind of representing in a way the concept of an ashoma, of a soul, is something very, very uplifting as the flames flicker and reach upwards. The idea of each and every one of us needing to do that, to hold on to things that are up and above and beyond us, reaching up to Shamayim, reaching up to God, and uh, being inspired by the very vision, the very view of those flames burning as they do on the menorah, on the candelabra that we light in honor of Hanukkah. But there's much more to it than that as well. Because Hanukkah is a time when we think about what it was actually that the Assyrian Greeks, and we should not confuse it with Greek uh, culture or uh, Greece of today. It was Assyrian Greeks that actually came from Syria. They came from north of Israel, above Israel. And there, the Assyrian Greeks had a philosophy which was known as Hellenism. And yes, it was much adopted by Greek culture, I suppose, today as well. But the concept of Hellenism then was the idea of the power of the physical, the power of the material, the power of the human form, of the human body. Thus, the Olympic Games, etc., all came out of that way of thinking. But there was a time when these Assyrian Greeks felt that it was their job, their mission, to impose this kind of thinking on everybody and everything and everywhere that they went. There was this idea of um, the need to make it clear that uh, there was nothing spiritual about the world, that uh, don't think about holiness, godliness, etc. It's all about the physical. The physical body kind of adopting this Hellenistic approach of the power of the body, of the power of the material. The stronger man will win. The faster woman will win the race. The uh, idea of the power and the prowess and the beauty of the physical body, and they kind of said, well, there is nothing really spiritual. Take out the neshama, take out the soul. That was really the message of the Assyrian Greeks. And as they were then dominant all over the world, and then, of course, in Israel, they came up against a group of people called the Maccabees. Now, the Maccabees were named for a statement that we make often in our davening, in our prayers, and perhaps we haven't even thought about it, but we say, mi kamocha Hashem. If we take the first letters of those words, it spells Maccabi. That was what the Maccabees actually were. They were looking at a view where everything is for God and everything is by God and everything belongs to God and Hashem is everything. And this was their philosophy. This was their thinking. And so these, this group of people, gathered together, banded together, they are probably well known for the fact that they were these uh, sort of uh, freedom fighters. But they weren't freedom fighters in the sense that we ordinarily think of freedom fighters. They weren't fighters at all. They were actually very godly, very spiritual people. And they weren't prepared to allow this Hellenistic approach, this approach 
of quashing anything from a spiritual point of view, putting out the lights, so to speak, from a spiritual point of view, they weren't prepared to allow it to happen. And so rising as they did against these Assyrian Greeks, they managed to chase them away from uh, Israel, they managed to get them out of the country, and therefore we have this idea of the dominance of the few over the many, which is a very, very powerful and important message of Hanukkah. You may think that you're living in a world where everything around you is so daunting and so overbearing and so overpowering, and there is no way that I can stand up for what is right and what is correct. I cannot bring light to this dark world. And one of the great and powerful messages of Hanukkah is yes, you can. You can, we can stand up, we can be strong, even though we may feel that we are few and we may feel that we are outnumbered. We have the power, we have the ability to stand up, not only and be counted, but to stand up and overpower the darkness and the uh, the, the messages or the uh, methodical way that they try out there from a Hellenistic point of view, to destroy anything of a spiritual nature. And so that is a message of Hanukkah. But what about the message of Hanukkah in the way that we light the menorah? The menorah is kindled each night of Hanukkah, adding another flame. Now, yes, you're going to tell me, and we know correctly so, that there was an opinion or a conflict, a different view between the houses of Hillel and Shammai. Hillel and Shammai, who lived at the same time, saw things from a completely different perspective and therefore the way they taught and their students saw things from a completely different perspective. And Shammai tells us that we should light eight candles on the first night and then keep on decreasing and go down to one. Hillel tells us that we keep on increasing. And the way that we do it, according to Halakha, is we go what we call in a way of mahadrin mina mahadrin. We do it in the best possible way, our sages tell us, which goes according to Hillel, that on the first night we light one. On the second night, we light two. And of course, this is other than the shamas. We're not talking about the shamas at the moment. We're talking about the main candles on the candelabra, on the menorah, each night increasing, lighting an extra candle each night as we go through the eight nights of Hanukkah. Hillel said, we should increase. Shammai said decrease. Shammai was looking, perhaps we need to understand, from a potential point of view. What could I accomplish at the beginning of Hanukkah? I can accomplish eight beautiful lights, and therefore a light eight. What could I accomplish the next day? Only seven, and so on. Hillel is looking at practical. What have I accomplished? What have I done? Have I done a mitzvah today? Yes, beautiful. Light a candle in its honor and um, show that light and commemorate the light that it spreads, and therefore each night increase. Our sages seem to have preferred the idea of Hillel, increase, Rather than being admonishing or hard on ourselves and thinking about what I could have accomplished, let's rather look at what I did accomplish. What did I achieve? And when I go to sleep at night, to look back at the mitzvahs that I've done, the kindnesses that I've shown, the goodness that I've spread, the light that I've brought into this world, and each night we light another candle to symbolize, to commemorate, and to celebrate that. And so, therefore, there is another beautiful and powerful message of Hanukkah, the idea that each day we can do more, and each day we do increase, and we need to do more and more and more by way of bringing light into the world. This is one of the most beautiful underlying messages of this beautiful Chag of Hanukkah that actually dominates certainly the latter part of this month of Kislev 
and coming up as it does um, next week, Sunday, Sunday a week, and uh, from then on for the eight days of Hanukkah to be celebrated, commemorated, and thought about in terms of the beautiful, beautiful messages that it gives us and inspires in us, not only to our children and our families, but to all those who happen to have the privilege of seeing, of witnessing these lights and the miracles that they represent. Let's take a break, and I'll be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Yes, and continuing our discussion about Hanukkah and all the beautiful messages that it conveys. Well, did you know that Hanukkah also conveys the message of doing things in the best possible way? Well, we think about this in terms of, number one, the idea of oil. Oil, if you know, and we do know, that if you mix it with water and you shake it up, or you mix it with any other liquid and you shake it up, and you then wait a few moments, it always rises to the top. And this is the idea of each and every one of us needing to take the message of that oil that not only lasted for the eight days when it was only destined to last for one, but the fact that oil comes together, unites, and rises to the top. It is something very, very important for us to learn as a message of Hanukkah. But it also teaches us from a Hanukkah perspective of the fact that we need to do things in the best possible way. Whenever it comes to a mitzvah, do it in the best possible way. Don't do it in a mediocre kind of let's just get this done by kind of a way. Let's rather do it in the best possible way. And how do we learn it from Hanukkah? Well, we did mention it before, that our sages tell us that we need to do the mitzvahs of Hanukkah and the lighting of the menorah in the way of mahadrin men hamahadrin. Most of us have only really possibly heard that word in terms of something that's written on packages of meat, where it's called mahadrin, or on uh, kosher products, where we see the word mahadrin. Excuse me, what does the word Mahadran actually mean? The word Mahadran actually means the most beautiful, the best possible way. And when we say Mahadran, Mina Mahadran, it's in the best of the best. That's the kind of notion when it comes to Hanukkah. How do we do that? Well, we light the menorah, increasing. So not only are we lighting, you could actually fulfill the mitzvah of Hanukkah by lighting one candle. You don't need to light one on the first night, two on the second, three on the third, and so on until eight on the eighth night. You don't need to do that. You just light one and you've done the mitzvah. We make the bracha. The bracha says, Lahadlik ne'er shall Hanukkah to light the Hanukkah candle, not candles. We increase though. We add to that light of our own selves. We make it mahadran min mahadran. We do it in the best possible way that it conveys all of these beautiful messages and then some, but most importantly, that it conveys the message that when we do a mitzvah, like lighting the menorah, we should do it in the best possible way. There are other messages of Hanukkah. Hanukkah, perhaps by kids, is known best for two important features. One of them is the concept of a dreidel, the dreidel, the dreidel, the spinning top. And the other one is the Hanukkah guilt, the fact that it's a time for gifts and it's a time particularly to give children Hanukkah guilt. Now, what about these customs and how do they actually fit in with this whole program? Well, if we think about the spinning of a spinning top, I'd like to suggest that while we have the whole world spinning around us, as long as we have our feet on the ground and we're firmly um, connected up above, we don't fall down. 
when that connection fails, we fall over. Now, if you think about the way that a top spins, it only stays upright when all these other things are spinning around it, but the bottom part of it, the point, let's call it, at the bottom of the dreidel, of the sivivon, of the spinning top, is rooted on the ground, it is touching the ground, and the top is reaching to Shamayim, it's reaching upwards. And no matter how much all the world spins around us, we still stay upright and we still stay connected. It's when we break that that we actually fall down. Now, when we think about uh, this, and we finally think about the idea of Hanukkah guilt. Well, Hanukkah guilt perhaps is to teach us that when we get money, we need to teach children that they've got to give. So yes, you can retain some of the money that you get. You can retain some of the beautiful things that you have, but you've got to be able to share with others. And the idea of stalker, of kindness, of deeds, of acts of kindness, of giving money to the poor and so on is very much part of the Hanukkah celebration as well. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So I know and you know that Jewish festivals are full of beautiful, beautiful images and things that we're supposed to learn from and spread outwards. But I'm not sure if there are many that come close, in fact, to the messages of Hanukkah. So many that we've discussed today. So many beautiful things that we can learn. And perhaps the most important is the idea of what is known as Pirsume Nisa, spreading the miracle, showing people that Hashem makes miracles, showing people that Hashem is all-powerful, spreading that idea that not only do they perceive and they see the light as it pushes away the darkness, but they are brought into this orb of understanding that Hashem makes miracles. The same God that made nature can make the things that defy nature. The same God that made things happen on a regular rhythmic basis can make things happen that are extraordinary. And this is what Hanukkah is all about. It is so empowering. It is so uplifting. It is so directional. It is so spiritual and it's so grand and so beautiful that if we would only tap into just some of these beautiful, beautiful images, we will be blessed to have the most beautiful, uplifting, light-bearing uh, and light-giving Hanukkah celebration. Please God, this year, as it comes up, as we said, next week, Sunday evening, and from then on in. If anybody needs a menorah kit, please be in touch with Chabad House. We're happy to supply them for people who are going to be using them. Certainly don't want them laying around and not used. The idea to be utilized. And of course, make sure you have all your Hanukkah supplies, your menorahs, your oil, your uh, candelabras, and so on. It's an opportunity this year, I guess, to take out the silver menorah that you weren't able to use the last uh, few years because uh, Hanukkah occurred, as we said, during holiday times, to take it out, polish it up, and make sure that you use it and use it well on this beautiful Hanukkah celebration that is coming up over the next couple of weeks. We hope we have a beautiful, lit up, light, bearing Hanukkah celebration and we hope that it heralds the time when once again the menorah will burn bright in the Beit HaMikdash in the temple. Please God with the coming of Mashiach very very soon I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead, look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9